Greetings and welcome to Marley Ramon's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast, where we'll discuss the art and stylings of Ryan Marlett. The artwork is all over the place, so be advised it could be fun, but it could be dark. It might be a painting, drawing, sculpture, Halloween prop, action figure or song. Each episode will feature a piece or pieces and the insight behind them. Hopefully you'll like some stuff, other things you may not. No worries. Chances are also that you'll likely be offended at some point but hopefully we'll also share some laughs along the way. Art has always been a part of Ryan's life and this is a way to document his work and share it with you. If you get butthurt easily, consider this your warning. Besides, your mom likes his artwork. Listener discretion is advised. Brittany, bitch. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. You're joining us again this week. That makes my heart melt. Makes me happy. Makes me want to continue to do this because you keep coming back for more. So let's get some. This is a this is a unique piece that I want to talk about this week because it's it's special to me because it's ongoing. It's a work in progress. In fact. It's my only work in progress. Well, that's not true. I've always got something going on at once, but this is probably my longest standing work in progress. And and I'll tell you a little bit about what that means. So I have this giant canvas, three feet by four feet. It's massive. And I've had it for many, many years. I want to say it probably goes back about 12 or 15 years. I'm not really sure. Back then, I wasn't as good about keeping dates and logs and and times, and I'm trying to get better at that now. And I'm grateful for when I finish a piece and I'm able to take a picture of it with my phone to have that date timestamp on there to help me remember when it was that I actually finished something. But this one's not finished. And that was kind of the whole point. I had wanted to get a giant canvas to have just to be able to continue to add on to it. And sometimes... Years will go by in between adding on to this. And so, as I mentioned, I started this several years ago, so far back that I can't recall exactly when. But as I look at it in front of me now, I recently added something to it. Probably, I've worked on it a few times within the last handful of months. And it's just something that I have available so that if I, if I get the urge and I don't want to necessarily do a specific piece exclusive to an idea or a concept, I'll just add it here. And it's layered and layered and stuff has been added to it and then painted over or it's found its way overlapped and, and just, yeah, it continues to, to evolve. And so I don't ever plan on signing this until I'm, probably like practically on my deathbed to the point where I'm not going to do anything with it ever again. I want to keep it always in motion because I never know what's going to strike me or what I want to do with it. 
And so I had debated on whether or not I was going to talk about this this early in, in the program, but I've been excited to because I really like it. It's, it's a piece that I really enjoy. And there have been times when I, I didn't really care for the direction it was going in, but I thought, why not? Let's just keep adding to it and see where it goes. And so today it hangs proudly above my couch. It's the focal piece of my living room area, which from one perspective, looking at it head on, it's centered directly above my couch and it works, fills the space. On the other side of the room, I've got other artwork that kind of is spread throughout, but this definitely has a lot to draw your eye into and there's no shortage of things to, to look at from, from space to space within the canvas itself. And so why don't I just get to it? It's been three minutes and 46 seconds and you're like, enough already, quit decking the dog. Tell us about the painting here. So I think I'll approach it from as if I were reading a book and I'll start as I'm looking at it in the upper left-hand corner. And so this whole thing has a foundational layer of orange. And I can tell that I don't necessarily remember what the first thing I added to this was or what my idea was in, in initially to, to get it started. But I'll tell you that a big element of this piece in that upper corner is an image of Cornelius from Planet of the Apes, the classic 1968 film starring Roddy McDowell and Charlton Heston has really resonated in me for several years. I've, I've done a ton of artwork based on that. And you'll find that I use a certain passage exclusively from the first film in the franchise at the very, very end that's read from the Sacred Scrolls, Dr. Zayas reads, and I've got it on here as well, but I'll get to it. Hang on, let me, let me throw it back a little bit. So this image of Cornelius is probably about two feet, one and a half feet, close to two, um, taking up almost a third of the canvas. It's huge. And it's just a, a great big close-up of his face. You can look right into his eyes and he's just staring straight on right at you. And I've gone back and I've actually enhanced it over the years because it was kind of crude. And even though I typically say that I don't go back and, and change anything, what I like about this piece is that because I have not signed it, because it is not finished, it is, uh, it's always in motion. So I can go back and change it if I want to. So this entire piece is a giant mixed media and collage. And so you'll find that it's primarily acrylic paints, just like the majority of, of my work, embellished with Sharpies, other markers, paint pens, and so forth. But then I've also got a lot of collage elements on here where I've, I've glued and layered and decoupaged different exterior elements over the top of it. There's some spray paint to it. Uh, I've done some stencil work in here and uh, yeah, layer after layer after layer. So let's kind of move, make our way down this one third side of the, of the piece. 
So I mentioned before a specific passage from the original Planet of the Apes film in 1968. At the very end, in the Forbidden Zone, Dr. Zaius reads from the sacred scrolls, rather Cornelius reads from the scrolls that, that Zaius has, and it's this passage here. It says, Beware the beast man, for he is the devil's pawn. Alone among God's prim primates, he kills for sport or lust or greed. Yea, he will murder his brother to possess his brother's land. Let him not breed in great numbers, for he will make a desert of his home and yours. Shun him, drive him back into his jungle lair, for he is the harbinger of death. And I have that printed on a small, probably two inch by four inch, just little little rectangle that is just pasted uh, slightly overlapping Cornelius's face, overlapping his mouth ever so slightly. And it's just there, it's present, it makes a point, it is, not just a clean, crisp piece of paper. It has a kind of a yellow wash over top of it so that it's it's dirty and, and blurred and uh, very symbolic of mankind, if you will. Below that, I have handwritten another quote. As I mentioned before, I like to put different quotes and literature and song lyrics, whatever kind of resonates within me in my different pieces. And so this one actually comes from a film. It's a 1960 Disney film called Pollyanna, starring Haley Mills, where this young girl uh, moves to a town. She moves in with her aunt and is incredibly optimistic and feels that her optimism is the thing that's going to unite folks. And, and it eventually does. But in the film, she, she wears a locket around her neck with an engraved uh, quote in there. And the quote is by Abraham Lincoln that goes along the lines of, when you look for the bad in mankind, expecting to find it, you surely will. Now, this is very much a juxtaposition against the other quote that kind of speaks to the to the negativity in mankind, as does this, but it's almost as if you're looking for it. And so if you can give people the benefit of the doubt, you try to try to do them a solid and look for the good in people as opposed to trying to find the bad. It's a, it's a difficult challenge. And I find that we often look for the bad in people. We don't necessarily try to find the good because Let's face it, people are kind of disappointing. People let you down. And um, I learned about this film at work and watched it. And uh, the quote is powerful. So I put it on there. And it overlaps uh, an area of the piece where it has um, Cornelius in the upper corner, almost the entire third and it kind of shifts down. And then as it, it kind of gravitates more towards the bottom of the piece, there are a series of zombies, um, completely unrelated. And if you haven't picked up on the theme yet, none of this fits, like nothing, nothing goes together. 
it's just whatever I feel like. It was just like, honey badger don't care. I'm just going to pull whatever I want. So there's some zombies at the bottom. One is kind of more skeletal in nature. It has uh, a lot of very bold and thick line work. There's a, a dark blank eye socket and the other, the other eye, the eyeball is intact. The teeth are yellowed. The nose is gone. There's a lot of um, just veiny line work and, and, and loose blood. And then next to him is there, there's another zombie. This one's a little bigger, a little more uh, robust in terms of just girth and size. And he's very greenish in, in tone with his mouth wide open, blood splattering everywhere. And then above the two of them is, is a decoupaged image of my face in zombie form, drawn over top, black and white and red, primarily Sharpie. And it's just a small little cluster of, of zombies right there. At the very bottom of the page is a vintage male and female 1970s era camp counselor graphic. It's, it's something from a, it was a handout or like a, an order form of a sign-up sheet, something that you could, you could enroll in a summer camp program, but the image used couldn't have been any, any newer than probably 1975, judging by the style of clothing and hair. It's just kind of that, the little stock images from, from that time. And so to me, it just, I saw it and it's just like a lot of things that I do, I, I save them because I'm like, this, this just is something unique. I want to put this in something. So I did, I put it on here and it was, I think I originally like just like a very light green paper. And you can tell that I had put far too much adhesive on there and the paper itself wrinkled. And then I went over it with like a, a like a, just a wash of like greens and some red splattering and it's just very crude. Shifting from the left side of the piece into the middle third, the transitional overlap has a character from a, an animated show called Adventure Time that uh, is fun. It's a, it's a show that was originally on Cartoon Network and it's about a, a boy Finn the human and his companion, his dog, his brother, Jake. The character that I've displayed on here is known as LSP or Lumpy Space Princess. And she's a purple cloud, basically a purple lumpy cloud with arms and a yellow star in the middle of her forehead. She's pretty funny. She's, uh, she talks really strange. And she's just a, a goofy character. And I, I've been on an Adventure Time kick lately. And I've actually done several pieces with the characters from that show uh, to include another one that's on this painting. And it's just kind of a wholesome show. It's silly. It's funny. It's, it's a lot of imagination and make-believe. And I want to translate that and capture some of that energy. So I've used that on several pieces lately. But almost straight in the middle of this piece, there are a pair of legs. And what I mean by that is that it's basically from the waist down, a set of pin-up legs 
wearing fishnet stockings that are mid-thigh, and they're bent at the waist in somewhat of a nod to pinup culture as well as Beetlejuice. So on the wait in the waiting room, when the Maitlands get to uh, the afterlife and they find themselves there waiting, you see a scene where on the couch there's the magician's assistant, where on one side there's the top half of her reading a book, and on the other side you see those pair of legs. Well, there they are. They're in the they're in the painting, and they're they're blue with uh, some like I said the fishnets. There's some of the the red costume bottom, uh, literally, as it's bent over with a pair of red shoes to match. And it's kind of, uh, it draws your eye right to that focal point. Also in the middle section, there was at one point some stencil work with the word monsters as, as originally just kind of in the famous Monsters of Filmland. It's a classic monster magazine publication and it's done in that style. It's, it was sprayed at the top over some other text that's just kind of random, but since has been covered over several times. At the bottom of the, of the middle section is another Adventure Time character called Lady Rainicorn, and she's basically a unicorn meets rainbow slash very interesting character, uh, very long flies around, has a face that resembles that somewhat of a, of a unicorn with a horn, very uh, large, bold eye, very simple in terms of the, the front nose area. Main head region is purple and has a long kind of golden flowing mane, as well as, you guessed it, unicorn elements, excuse me, unicorn elements, rainbow elements that make up her body. Therefore, she's a combination of a unicorn and a rainbow, Lady Rainicorn. She's embracing uh, in a collage image of Elvis that has been on there since one of, since some of the very, very beginning of, of me creating this. And it's a just a printout of him, very crude, cut out, and washed over with reds and greens and so he's at the bottom of the page but i was able to paint her around him so that she actually has her arms around him and it's kind of funny next to him are two comic panels from a gi joe comic and it has destro cobra commander and baroness and they're just kind of there there's a very bright color scheme within those panels there's some bright yellows some blues uh, a little bit of silver and red, but it really kind of pops among the rest of the piece. And while there's a lot of color going on here, these are just brighter than most of them. You can see above Lady Rainicorn's head in the background where there's an image of Jason Voorhees, the classic Camp Crystal Lake killer. I had a very prominent image of him on there at one point and have having painted over things time after time after time you can see him in the background but you can't necessarily uh, recognize what he is exclusively unless you know what you're looking at over him is 
something that I'm going to come back to when I talk about the, the third third of the piece, because originally there was a third uh, character that's on the far right-hand side of the piece as looking at it that eventually overlapped into the middle. And, and you'll see what I mean in a second. And also when you go to check it out on the Facebook page and or Instagram, follow us there. At the very top of the middle section of the, of the piece is some stencil and spray paint work. And so I used some pumpkin cutouts, some just wood jack-o'-lantern cutouts, as well as uh, an intricate star wood pattern and was able to just do several layers of a few different colors with oranges and whites and blacks to, to add some elements of shade and highlights, but just mostly uh, a star with a cluster of four jack-o'-lanterns around that. So that's kind of the center area. And we'll shift over into the right-hand side and wrap it up here in just a second. Okay, so the third and final third, third act, is the third left-hand side of the piece, or right-hand side as I'm looking at it. And in this, I mentioned that before, there was a kind of another piece that, or element of this third that flows into the middle, and I'll talk about that here in a second. So I had a, a somewhat realistic, but abstract and expressionistic perspective of a Grim Reaper figure. It had a skeleton face, obviously, with a, a hooded cloak type appearance. And so over time, I've adjusted that too. And my latest change and updates to the, to the piece and additions and stuff, I actually kind of changed the color scheme of the figure to be more of a realistic depiction of Skeletor. And I know that I just recently talked about a, another piece that had uh, Skeletor influence to it as well. And sometimes I'll just get on a kick and I'll just want to keep doing a lot of the same thing or similar things. And I, I always liked the way the other, you know, Grim Reaper figure looked, but I just had the idea to change things up and I can do that. It's mine. I can do whatever I want. I do what I want. So I painted his cloak in to represent different shades of blues and purples. And it doesn't necessarily look exactly like him, but I think you would kind of pick up on the idea of that. And I changed some of the elements of his facial structure to resemble some more shades of green and just kind of have some shadowing in there uh, around the face. I updated the eyes a little bit the mouth is still very crude and doesn't necessarily look anything animated or even action figure related. It's just kind of a more, like I said, it's kind of a, a more of a realistic but expressionistic perspective. So the piece that overlaps into the middle, it kind of combines with the, the Skeletor presence. And he takes up a good portion of that, that last third of the piece is uh, it's his staff that has the very classic, for those of you that ever grew up watching the cartoon or are familiar with the action figure line, or several iterations of the franchise, he has a staff that has a ram's head skull on it. 
that is also purple. And so it's it's kind of somewhat realistic. It it, it works with the the rest of the the image of him. You can't see him actually holding it. It's just kind of like there in front of him, implied that he's holding it lower uh, in areas that are overlapped by other characters on here. And so it's it's a very prominent. If you were to look straight on, you could kind of see the legs and the staff or the the ram's head skull kind of right in the very center of the piece. And so it, it kind of just draws your eye to that. And then, as I mentioned before, there's no shortage of of stimuli within the piece, and it's just from from thing to thing to thing to thing. There's so much going on. There's there's plenty to look at. So that's what's going on there. Above him is uh, in that corner, the upper corner of the piece originally had a spider web just to kind of have some protruding um, imagery that was utilizing the corner because it wasn't a whole lot of space up there, but it had some area that I wanted to fill and just add some textures and some different, different appeal. And I recently did a sculpture that had a lot of collage work on it. And what I had done was I took a, a vintage Conan the Barbarian comic that was larger in style. It was more of a magazine size comic. That's how the older Conans were. And they were all printed in newsprint in the grayscale. So there's no color associated with it. There was some, there was some cover art and, and the, the front and back covers are, are kind of a high gloss finish with some colored cover art. And there are some images throughout the, the book itself, but for the most part, the whole thing is just printed on newsprint. And so I had some leftover panels from that that I had cut out and I wanted to just tie them in somehow. So I, I just formed them in somewhat of a, like a Z shape up in that corner and just kind of blocked it in just to have them on there. And there's no real rhyme or reason to the, the ones that I selected. There's no particular association with the, the text that's in there or even the imagery for that matter. It was just a matter of adding another variety of just different textures and, and styles to add to it. And then up in the corner of that, I have a decoupage image of Macho Man Randy Savage from the cover of a Slim Jim's container box. And there's a story behind that as well. Over the holidays, uh, my parents came to visit and we went out to dinner one night and uh, something that we were waiting for our table. So we took a walk over in the plaza as we waited for our notification that the table was ready and went to a five below. And in there was uh, a box of Slim Jim's that was empty. Well, it had a couple in there, but I, I moved them out put them in another box. And on the box, it had Macho Man Randy Savage, as we all know, huge advocate for the Slim Jim movement, as they say. Um, iconic wrestler, one of my favorites. Best promos on the planet, I'll tell you what. And uh, so I, I took the box and I, my folks were cashing out, buying their stuff and things. And I asked the, the girl at the counter, I'm like, hey, uh, this box is empty. Can I have it? She didn't know what to say, and she's like, I, I guess. I mean, otherwise, we're just going to toss it. So, I, yeah, I suppose. So on each side of the box, it has an image of it. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm going to absolutely use this in a piece of artwork somewhere or and or multiple pieces. So um, in the words of Macho Man Randy Savage, um, he is the cream of the crop. 
So he's uh, a tower of power too sweet to be sour. Space is the place funky like a monkey. Oh, yeah. So there's a little bit to get you going. All right, moving on. So down in the, the lower corner of the piece, we have more zombies. And when you see it and look at it on the screen, originally there was a, a whole kind of a, a row of zombies along the bottom. Almost like they were just kind of walking in unison, and it was the kind of the focal front first wave of if you were to look at this as kind of a, a layered, you know, protruding into the background type of a thing. This was the first wave of people, and there were essentially, I think at one point, there were five or six, seven zombies along the bottom edge, and much like a lot of other elements, it's They've been painted over. And so you can kind of see one very prominently uh, in the very, very bottom right-hand corner. Could be male, could be female. Hard to say. Long hair, uh, no nose, pretty menacing eyes, very dirty and bloody mouth. And almost looks like she's smiling at you. Probably not, though. Um, green in complexion. A lot of line work, a lot of um, of the classic dots that I've mentioned several times, some veiny uh, action there as well. Then when you have uh, behind Lady Rainicorn, you can kind of see another one peeking out from, from back there. There's just an eye and there's like a big chunk missing out of the top of the head. Good times. Above that is a very simple line work drawing of Pinhead. And what I mean by that is uh, not necessarily the actual name of the character, but the lead Cenobite from the Hellraiser franchise, played by Doug Bradley, is uh, a depiction of Pinhead with black Sharpie, painted blue, a very, very light blue, very subdued, and highlighted with silver paint pen, uh, black eyes, very blank look on its face. Above him, between him and Skeletor, is another uh, zombie decoupaged figure that is drawn over in Sharpie, blue in tone, a lot of red, uh, bloody face. Now, lastly, at the very bottom of the piece is one of the newer additions, and I put this in probably back around December time frame, perhaps, maybe January, and it is a printout of me kind of from mid chest up and just a very blank expression. But I, I took that image and then I painted over it. I, I put it on the piece and then I painted over it and it's surrounded by some shades of blue and kind of some, some motion line work around that so that it, it kind of gives off almost like a glowing aura effect, but it's, it's just lines. And then what I did was I painted myself in the color scheme and makeup, uh, makeup design of the 2019 uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joker film. And so at the time I did this, I was having kind of a hard time and struggling with some stuff and things. And I just, I, I, I felt like I was literally going crazy and I didn't know how to, to figure it out. I just, I felt like 
this was a reflection. And I, I get that it's that's not necessarily a healthy thing to put that version of the Joker on a pedestal. I don't necessarily agree with how things came to be with his character and how the film ends up, obviously, in the end. But I can absolutely identify with how he got there. And so I just, I, I, that's kind of how I was feeling. And I didn't really, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't understand what the deal was, but that's, that's me on there. And that's, it was just kind of like a, a translation of those feelings at the time. So yeah, that's that piece. Always in motion, the future is, as Yoda put it. We've got a lot going on here. And I'll continue to add to it. But in the meantime, how about we come up with a title? Let's call it the the never-ending story of a painting that never ends because it's not signed. And until it is signed, it's not finished or something like that. I don't know. We'll, we'll keep working on it. But just to recap, we've got uh, some Planet of the Apes in here, some zombies, Beetle Geist, Adventure Time, Skeletor, Macho Man, Pollyanna, and G.I. Joe, to name a few. And... You've got a little peek behind the curtain as to one of the different things that I like to do and, and work on and keep it going. So now you know how the story goes. And now that you know, knowing is half the battle. Okay, folks, thank you for joining again this week. Art is a powerful thing, and I appreciate your willingness to hear my stories. And if you keep listening, I'll keep talking. I urge you to do what makes you happy. And never accept anyone that treats you less than. Have the courage to be you and try things on. Besides, every day is Halloween. Special thanks to our friends at Pecan Pie and Subsonic Voodoo for providing these epic musical selections. To see these works as discussed, follow on Facebook at Marley Ramone's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast page or on Instagram at MRMMHOD. You can find this podcast on most major streaming platforms. And most importantly, if there's one thing that you take away from this stupid little podcast, it's to remember that you are not alone ever. Dial 988 for the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline or Veterans Crisis Line, also 988, then press 1 or text to 838-255. Until next time, be creative and go tell someone you love them.